Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. Today's guest is a folk singer from the Gentle Isle, Prince Edward Island, who learned to play by ear at an early age and was immersed in a culture of family kitchen parties and by age 13 was performing professionally on stage. His connection to maritime folk music dates back to the efforts of his great-grandparents, who were preservers of folklore in Prince Edward Island. Today, he is carrying the torch forward with his own songs inspired by rural life and maritime history. And he's known as an old-school troubadour, performing upwards of 200 gigs a year. In 2020, he released his debut album, Place to the Name, and just one year later released his second album, Second Wind. Stacey Easton referred to him as the maritime storyteller that I'm most excited to hear more from. Music PEI Week recently nominated him for the Maritime Electric Lloyd Doyle New Artist of the Year and Contemporary Roots Country Recording of the Year Awards. It is my honor to introduce today's guest, Shane Pentercast. Welcome to the show, Shane. Thanks for having me on, Marshall. We opened with Cassidy's Hill. That's a track from your latest album, Second Wind, where the majority, I believe, the majority of the tracks from this album were recorded live at St. Bonaventura's Church in Trackady. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Trackady Cross? That's right. Trackady Cross, my hometown. That track got a review, and Douglas McLean writes that this track gives prominence to the reverb and tonality of electric guitar made famous by many a country artist. Can you tell us a little bit more about the musicians on that track? Yeah, so that's Josh Langell on the guitar, and him and his brother Sam are these two real... Basically, if you go see a band play on PEI, you'll find Josh and Sam. They really play all kinds of genres, and they're like these two guys around my age in their early 20s, and they're just great players. So they really made that track nice, and my buddy Kinger plays the pedal steel on that track. How did you get together with these guys? It really all kind of came together when we were locked down last year. I moved back to the island from Toronto, Ontario. And when I got home, I thought, well, this summer, especially on PEI, we're used to having a lot of tourists and a lot of visitors. We, ha- we have shows almost every night. This summer is definitely going to be different. How can I make use of my time? So I thought, uh, I've heard of these guys and I heard of this other fellow who plays the pedal steel. Let's get together. And uh, I, w- I want to try out these tunes on you. And sure enough, we really hit it off as musicians and also as as friends, and uh, started a little band. Sounds like all the musicians really gelled on that album. I want to get back in history a little bit. By 13, you learned to play by ear, and you also started performing professionally on stage at that age. How, how did all of that come about? Well, my father, Mike Pendergast, is fairly well known on the island. He's been hosting shows. Uh, he plays the accordion, writes songs, and Uh, mostly kind of folk music, maritime folk music. My whole family on the Pendergast side is involved in the music scene on the island. And so I really had no choice whether I wanted to uh, be involved in music or not. They got me going from a young age playing. And uh, dad always thought the best way to learn was to just get you up on stage and throw you right into the fire. So I, I really had to learn quickly or make a fool of myself. <laughs> I was listening to an interview that you had on See and Be Seen and Heard, 
and that was with Stephanie Beaumont. And you mentioned kitchen concerts. What are kitchen concerts? I like to talk about kitchen party music as the folk music around here. I think a lot of the folk music purists think that folk music has to be this certain style. But really, when you go to a kitchen party and you're sitting around a table with people, everybody's swapping songs. You might sing some that you wrote. You might sing some country songs. You might sing, you know, a real range of uh, genres fall into like kitchen party music. One thing that seems to tie them together is there's usually quite a few lively songs and uh, fiddle tunes that happen at the kitchen parties. Is a kitchen party like a Kaylee? It's similar to a Kaylee for sure. I think Originally, a Cayley was just a term, you know, from Scotland and Ireland that meant a visit. You know, a, you get together with a friend, you drop in to see somebody and maybe share some stories and songs. Now on the island, we refer to Cayleys now as it's kind of more like a show. People pay to get in, but the idea of it being a Cayley as opposed to a show is it's very casual. There's no set list. You might tell stories for half the time as well as sing songs. So uh, Kaylee, you know, the definition has changed over the years. But um, yeah. Mentioning uh, the island, you also mentioned in that uh, interview how there seems to be a renaissance of music going on in PEI. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think part of it has to do with the fact that I mean, I live for a few years in Toronto and right now, even to this day, into 2021 it's pretty locked down as far as live music but we've been very lucky to have kind of to be on this island that's away from everybody else and we've been able to keep live music going throughout 2020 and 2021 you know shows up to 100 people and stuff so one thing i've noticed is there's a lot of up-and-coming talent in all different kinds of genres who have become friends and it's such a small scene in some ways that you don't just stick with your click or whatever you you really whether you like it or not you're going to run into people all the time who play music and I, I just see a lot of great competition going on friendly competition which seems to be bringing the level of music uh, higher and higher now you mentioned all kinds of genres i think there are a lot of music festivals that i don't know if they're still going on on the island, but I think you have jazz festivals, you have folk, uh, all kinds. Can you tell us a little bit about the festivals that, that happen there? Yeah, one that I'm most familiar with is the PEI Festival of Small Halls, and that's great because all the little communities that have a hall and can fit maybe 75 people in it or whatever, they put on a festival each year where those halls can have artists come in and play. It really spans the whole island, which tip to tip maybe may only be a three and a half hour drive, but there's so many little community halls uh, that get a little bit of action when the Festival of Small Halls goes on, which is nice. Yeah, I want to get back to your particular music and specifically your guitar. I believe you had an incident with your guitar a while back. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's... Uh... I was already a little bit, uh, to be honest with you, a little bit down in the dumps in the summer because I wasn't playing in front of people that much. Uh, there was less music going on to begin with. And just to uh, hit a man when he's down, my uh, guitar got stolen out of my rig uh, in the middle of the night. 
Uh, I was probably a fool for leaving it in there, but uh, somebody broke into my rig and took my prized possession, my guitar. It's the one thing that I, one object that I really love. The rest you could throw away. That's the one thing I, I really love, my guitar. And why do you love that guitar so much? My uh, father bought that back around the time I was born, 98. And uh, Gibson, sort of the precursor to the songwriter guitar, the CL30 Deluxe. And I guess the story goes when I was a, a baby just crawling around and dad had this brand new guitar. He loved it. It was sitting open in the case and I came and I was crawling and I knocked over the top of the case. Well, sure enough, it fell down and one of the buckles on the case, bango, went right into the guitar and made a mark on it. I guess dad looked at me and he said, well, Shane, you've uh, made your mark. Someday this guitar will be yours. And uh, sure enough, he gifted it to me uh, when I moved out of the house uh, when I turned 18. He he gave me the guitar. So it was uh, tragic to, to when it got stolen. But it had a happy ending, of course. Yes, it has a happy ending. It's not the best place to try to steal something unique and get away with it. This island, uh, it was probably it's probably the only one maybe in the Maritimes. And sure enough, I emailed all the pawn shops and music stores, and lots of people shared it around. And sure enough, it turned up. This somebody brought it in to get it, get some work done on it at a music store, and they recognized it right away and gave me a call. It was, uh, I was overjoyed to put it mildly well you mentioned that your father gifted the guitar to you and i first heard you in 2016 at the women's institute hall in stanley bridge pei and and you were playing with your dad michael pendergrast and uncle tom mcswiggan where you had hosted one of prince edward island's what was the uh, build as the longest running Kaylee, and you would also perform every Sunday at the Lone Oak Brewing. Can you tell us about some of your other venues that you've performed in? Yeah, well, recently a new venue's popped up on the island called the Trailside Music Hall, and that's kind of like a big music venue downtown Charlottetown on the island. So it's kind of the first time we that I know of that we've had something like that, a really high-class, nice-looking venue. We've been playing there quite a bit lately with the band. Of course, there's also all kinds of great little Cayley Halls that I love playing at, like you mentioned, the Stanley Bridge uh, Women's Institute Hall. I got my start in the Malpec Hall uh, as well, where we used to, where we do Cayleys. And uh, there's all kinds of uh, local breweries as well, Moth Lane up west and all kinds of breweries that have popped up that are great venues to play at. Well, I want to get back to uh, your first single, which I believe was Gaspésie. Is that pronounced correctly? That's right. And I have to admit, I'm not a computer nerd, so I'm not really familiar with how TikTok works, but apparently it's become a TikTok sensation. Can you tell me about this? Or maybe you're not aware that it's a TikTok sensation. I'm not too up on the that TikTok as well. So I'll have to look into that or ask my uh, friends who have TikTok. I didn't even know. People are using that track to make their videos. So uh, I just <laughs> thought that was interesting. You also did a, a reading of the Harbor Hullabaloo. Can you tell us about how that came about? In North Rustico, a little fishing community on the island, there was an old shack 
that my dad had noticed driving by uh, had an old sign on it that said Harbor Hootenanny. So I guess they used to have parties there, you know, and uh, dad thought, well, for copyright purposes, uh, I'll call it the Harbor Hullabaloo rather than Hootenanny and write a little little ditty about it. I think he tried to do it as a song, but when he wrote the words first, he thought, well, this works just fine as a spoken word recitation, which is kind of a very old school, you know, way to do it. You don't hear people get on stage and read a recitation too much these days. So anyway, I loved it so much that I decided I'd learn it too. And then uh, he, he let me record it on my first album, The Harbor Hullabaloo. It's yeah, it's a, it's, it's a story of a kitchen party that goes wrong. <laughs> now, you, you, you say it was an old school recitation. Does that have anything to do with maritime music? Does maritime music include old school recitations? Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the maritime songs, a lot of songs even that I've written, you could really just read it as a poem because it, it tells a whole a whole story. And I think any folk music but or from what i'm my knowledge of maritime folk music specifically has a tradition of almost practicality in the music you're writing about historical events perhaps as a warning or as a way to educate people or you're writing about uh local happenings you know it, it's not just uh for the music it's also about the storytelling well i'm going to pick up on one of your storytelling tracks but before that i want you to know that when i first heard you i i said gordon lightfoot but then i i watched you know i watched your youtube rendition of canadian railroad trilogy and, and i was sure that that you were influenced by gordon lightfoot then i watched your film song of the stevedore and decided no no you were influenced by stevedore steve so who is your most influential artist music artist well a direct impact would be my family members of course who play music they taught me everything i know but uh listening wise i guess um just the writing of uh, of Gordon Lightfoot is hard to beat. That instrumentation and the 70s folk music is something I've always loved and grew up listening to. Any maritime songs, old maritime folk songs, I've studied for years, and I love the storytelling aspect of those. So I take a lot from that. But yes, I'm a big Gordon Lightfoot fan. In addition to musicians, I think you must have some other artists that have influenced you. And, I, and by artists, I mean painters, writers, filmmakers there's a fellow he's still alive he's in his 90s uh by the name of tom da and he's a poet from newfoundland that uh he writes a lot about the sea and i love his uh i love his poetry a lot uh the writings of the beat generation as well i've read a lot of and uh kerouac and i love the prose of hemingway which is so so terse and so matter of fact and very simple plain language but uh again a great storyteller i could go on but uh yes lots of other influences apart from music that kind of you can translate into your music for sure can i throw in uh the bard of the yukon robert service for sure and if anyone heard that track the harbor hullabaloo you'll find the rhyming scheme is uh very similar to a service poem i want to jump to cinematography you're one of the few musicians that I know or that I've ever spoken to 
that is both a musician and a cinematographer. Your film Song of the Stevedore about a forgotten New Brunswick musician was presented at last year's Fin Atlantic International Film Festival, and your film Man with Stories is an official music video. I believe that you're the first, as I said, the first cinematographer that I've ever met who's also a musician. What got you into filmmaking? I've always been interested in documentary film, and that's basically what I kind of focus on. And I think there's a real cross-stitching between music and uh, film, you know, that you can find so many documentaries about music. It's just a fantastic medium to tell stories, and especially what I'm interested in, which is making documentaries about folklore, folk music, history, maritime history. It's just nice to have that visual aspect as well, as even with recorded music, as opposed to a live show, you're missing so many elements because when you go to a live show, you can see the artists, you hear the stories in between the songs. They've got an outfit on, there's the lighting. When you make a uh, a documentary, you can have that element as well. And you can do a story about music. So I just love the combinations you can do. John Bill, it's not a music video, but can you tell us a, a little bit about that film? For sure. That was uh, definitely the most memorable and profound experience I've had in documentary film, uh, making documentaries, uh, and personal as well. He was a family friend, this guy, John Bill, and a, I believe a three-time Canadian oyster shucking champion. So the oyster shucking competitions are very popular here on the island as far as shucking as many oysters as you can in a, in a short amount of time, basically. And people get really good at it. I, st- I stray away from it myself because I need to play guitar and that's a liability. <laughs> but uh, John Bill, I made this documentary about him. He just lived this incredible life. He died young, actually. And if you watch the documentary, you can hear more about it all. Uh, but he, he had cancer, melanoma, and his life was cut quite short. But in the time that he had, he just lived life to its fullest. You work with film PEI. What is Film PEI and, and what do you do there? Yeah, I just finished a contract there and it's a kind of like the the rental house that we have on Prince Edward Island. Everybody comes to us for to rent gear. There's funding that is given by Film PEI to to filmmakers who are working on various projects. So it's kind of a film cooperative on the on PEI. Do you get your crew from that? group too yeah there's everybody kind of knows where the building is on film pei and hangs out there so it's a great place to meet other filmmakers actors like i said the same with music film community the music community on pei is very tight-knit you have access to everybody on the island let's get back to your music in a recent interview you were asked to suggest only one of your songs for someone to hear and you responded Place to the Name, from you, which was from your first album. Why did you pick that song? I think it's a nice mix of uh, an older style of folk music and uh, contemporary folk music. And it just comes from the heart. I had a lot of fun writing that song. And it's kind of some of my writing plays on old expressions, plays on fra- phrases. And it's a, it's a play on the expression, you can't put a face to the name. 
or a name to the face, but it's you can't always put a place to the name that you see on a road sign. Earlier in our talk today, you were talking about history and folklore, and two of your songs that seem to transform history into song are uh, Three Mile Limit and The Song of 52. And, and in fact, Douglas McLean calls The Song of 52 the most steeped in maritime traditional songwriting. Can you explain this song for us? Sure. Yeah. that uh, I had read a story about this whale. Uh, it's one-of-a-kind whale. And basically, uh, the U.S. government, they used to have all these underwater, almost like underwater microphones called hydrophones, and they would track Russian submarines during the Cold War. But when the Cold War ended, they thought, well, let's just leave the microphones down there, and instead we can track whales with it. One day they heard this bizarre call from a whale. It was high-pitched, more high-pitched than any other whale. And they basically realized there's a whale down there, one of a kind, that produces this 52 hertz tone that's its call and because it's an unusual call it can't communicate with any other living creature in the uh, in the sea so they call it the loneliest whale in the world and it's just inspired a lot of art over the years and it inspired uh, the song that i wrote about loneliness and and the history of that whale let's take a listen to the song of 52 the Whitby Island station soon would be a witness to A whale call like no other, the song of 52 He sings for every lonely soul, the voice is never heard The outcasts and the wanderers for every drowned out word He cries for those who've lost their way, a foothold for the few The lonesome legend of the sea, they call him 52 Mighty whales are said to speak in rumbles loud and low. They're humming, reaching distances far across the great below. That was the they song of 52 played by my guest, Shane Pendergast, from his newly released album, Second Wind. You've described your music as Acadian and Irish-influenced. Can you explain that for us? Sure thing. My grandmother, Eileen Chiasson, she uh, is Acadian from the island. She had six children, my father included, and they, they all grew up. She basically got them singing, and they all speak French, and they all know the Acadian music. I don't speak French myself. It's a regret I have, and someday I may learn. I hope to learn. But that music is uh, really dear to my heart. I mean, you can hear Cajun music in down in Louisiana, and it's got a similarity to the music you find on the East Coast, Acadian music. It's a little rougher around the edges when you hear the fiddle tunes. And then the other side of the family is Irish. So, you know, all those, all the music that you hear in Ireland from the folk music, uh, what's the word, uh, not revolution, but when all those guys, the Dubliners and, and Tommy Maycomb and the Clancy brothers all br brought back the Irish music that I grew up with that kind of stuff too. So those two influences, cultural influences play into my music. Would you consider yourself more of a folk singer or a teller of historical 
stories? I suppose a, a folk singer now, now, especially with this latest music, I've branched out just a bit from purely historical to a little bit uh, more of some contemporary songs that I've written that just happened to I just happened to write. <laughs> You're also doing a lot of online shows because of the uh, pandemic. One of them, I believe, is La Famille Pentagast Soiree. Is that correct? Yeah, well, um, that's uh, we got some funding to do a French show. So I basically just do a little bit of rhythm guitar, and I've learned a little bit of fiddle. So I play a couple of Cadian fiddle tunes during that, and my dad and I travel around to visit our family members on the island and put on a show with them, basically on on camera, which was a very strange uh, for every musician to learn this new medium of doing a show and then you finish a song and it's kind of awkward because you can't hear everyone clapping and you're hope, okay, I hope they're not booing at home. I hope they're clapping on the other end. <laughs> you mentioned that you're learning to play the fiddle. I understand from, uh, from sources that you're also learning to brew hard cider, which is harder learning to play the fiddle or brewing hard cider. <laughs> I love that question. I think it's harder to, play the fiddle because uh, people's ears seem to be a little more picky than their bellies when they uh, enjoy my cider. They don't seem to be as uh, discriminating. They, <laughs> they seem to think, well, if, I mean, I'll, I'll drink it, you know, whatever does the trick. But uh, I do brew a little bit of Pendy's cider, I call it. And, and uh, some friends of mine have uh, enjoyed a bit of that with me over the past year. So do you brew the cider and share the cider and then play the fiddle and, and get better reviews? How does that work? I think if I did the fiddle first, then the cider, it, it would be for the best. Uh, that's probably the order that I should uh, do it in. <laughs> We're almost running out of time here, but I know that you have some events coming up. Do you want to tell us about the events that I have you down as... A Tracadie Community Center, are you doing something there? Yeah, we are doing, and that's a hometown show. I lived close by. Tracadie Community Center, April the 30th, is uh, going to be my next show. And then May 7th and 8th, I'm at Hunter River on the island at the Harmony House doing a series of shows there, May 7th and 8th. For listeners who would like to hear more of your music, where can they purchase your music? I have my two albums on the Bandcamp website. I also, on shanependergast.com, have a little section that says, buy a folk CD, and uh, you can buy CDs from me there. And I'm also anywhere else that you find music uh, streaming-wise. I'm so happy that you were able to talk to me, and I'd like to come full circle and, as Stevedore Steve might say, play a good one, eh? How about we close with It Slips Away? Can you tell us about the background on that song? Yeah, well, there's so many things in life that slip away from us. And I like to write songs when I'm driving on the road. And I was going down a dirt road and I saw this old piece of farm equipment that said New Idea painted on it. I guess that's an old farm farming company a friend told me recently. And uh, it just was this image that just appeared when I was driving down the road of this 
equipment just sitting there. It was rusting away. An old piece of equipment hadn't been used in 50 years probably, but it still had painted on it. New idea. And I thought the irony in that, <laughs> and it inspired the chorus of the song. And also a friend of yours passed away while you were doing that, no? Yeah, it was... Uh, the song had, was not written for him, but uh, while we were recording the the track, my friend, uh, one of my closest friends that I had met in my time in Ontario, and uh, lived with him for a number of years, he passed away at a young age, 22, I suppose. Yeah, tw just 22. So I dedicated the song to my friend Alex, and uh, it's taken on a new meaning since that event. Well, Shane, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, and we're going to end with It Slips Away. That was a treat, Marshall. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. It slips away We can't be sure Of what's to come What made us stir Has left us numb like a firework flash A merriment ain't meant A Tuesday and the smoke won't last It slips away You've been listening to Mr. Radio and I'm your host Marshall. This program was written and produced by Marshall. Mr. Radio is available wherever you get your podcasts including iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Mr. Radio. Mr. Radio.